Right, so Ricky Sanchez. Wait, I don't even know how to do this. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm gonna leave that in there. Welcome to the Right, so Ricky Sanchez podcast, proudly brought to you by LL Pavorsky Jewelers or Right, so Ricky Sanchez. Let's just go and get engaged. And this week by DraftKings, play for free for a chance at a wow. billion dollars with promo code RTRS. I am holy shit. What was that? My name is Spike Eskin, along with a man whose last name I do know how to pronounce. Once again, that is Liberty Baller's own Mike Levin. Hi, Mike. Hey, buddy. A little afternoon action. We're both awake. Yeah. Rare. Afternoon action. A little afternoon action. Usually it's either I'm asleep or we're doing an emergency, Ricky, and you're asleep. Right. And yeah, and and grumpy and and waiting to get off the uh, off the line. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. So on the show today, we have very special guest. That is Dan Pfeiffer of Pod Save America, formerly Keeping It sixteen hundred, and uh, he is way too big a guest for a podcast. So that's exciting to have him on. We'll also talk about Joel Embiid's uh, the the story about Joel Embiid's contract that my uh, my father reported earlier this week. The lottery reform, and maybe if we have time, Markel Fultz supposedly putting on 15 pounds. But uh, What about Justin Anderson losing 15 pounds? Oh, yeah, That's and also, great pictures, too, great pictures. Maybe Dan will have to sit through that, sit through our Justin <laughs> Anderson picture takes. Before we get to the nonsense, this is a new thing. I want to do, do a topic right out of the gate. I have some, I have some things I, I changed in the lineup, so I want a topic right out of the gate. You good with that? You good with talking about the show on the The fact show? that I'm now looking at a lineup makes it a lot more professional. Right. So uh, the lottery reform thing got me specifically angry this week because we had just talked last week about Adam Silver at, on yep. our Enemies of the Process, and I, I think I got a little more whipped up than you and AU did. This lottery reform thing is complete nonsense. It's total... Even if it were to, if you missed the report, they were talking about basically smoothing out the odds for the, 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 in the lottery. So making it less of a good chance for the worst team to get a best pick and more of a good chance for the, the lower lottery teams. And this, yeah, they it's, say, it's dumb. Right, is very dumb. This, they say, will get rid of tanking. Unfortunately, <clears throat> even, even if it were, let's say it was to get rid of tanking and completely forgetting about the fact that the the worst team in the league only has a 25% chance of getting a, the number 1 pick it's not really but about the, but at the very least but at the very least the number 4 pick right 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 so even if it were to work let's say it worked and teams didn't tank anymore well then the team that was actually the worst team that would deserve the best pick because they didn't yeah. tank would have less of a chance of getting the best pick it is yeah. all like it's all window dressing nonsense to like I I can't understand it. I don't know if it's a revenue sharing thing. I don't know what it is, but it's just it's lies. It's it's nonsense. What's it supposed to fix? It's it's not going to fix anything. People no. will still try to be bad. They'll just have a less of, less good of a chance to be rewarded for it, which is still it just it is the idea that they, that they're going. It's still going to be a lottery. But the percentages are just going to go down. So, like, the 13th team has as good of a chance as, like, the 6th team or whatever it is. 
What? Uh, well, the top five, I think, will have a different chance than than the sixth through through fourteenth uh, team. And like, people will still try to get in the fucking top five. It's not going to make a difference. Like, look, the idea is you want to de-incentivize losing. Right. So if that's the case, then winning and being like minimally good should be more attractive, not make losing less attractive because it's always going to be less attractive. There always will be the five to 10 worst teams in the sport. It's just, they're not, it's just going to happen. So by saying, Hey, those five to 10 teams, you guys are even the worst ones. You guys are going to have less of a chance to actually be good ever. You're just going to stay down there because, uh, you know, parody. Yeah. There's no chance. If, if they want parody, it's, it's very simple. It's, we've all been over this a million times. The object of a draft is to try to get the worst teams to get better, right? Of, of, yeah, that's, that's, the object. that's the whole, that's point, the whole of point of it. So if you're going to eliminate that part of it, then you might as well not have a draft. The, the, the way to fix it, we've said it a million times, hard cap, no individual uh, ceilings on player salaries, and no draft. And there you go. And that way— Well, I it, do like the draft. Well, the draft I'm is okay. fun. I'm fine with it. I'm so fine with the draft. Well, but what I, I don't want them to—I don't know that I want them to do anything. Like, I don't know that they need to fix anything. You know, like, I like the lottery. We, we, we made our whole—we make our bones on the lottery, baby. But the, We have bones now. We have bones. But the—I I don't know. I just think— like the whole idea of parity is nonsense. If you were to eliminate, if you were to have a hard cap and uh, and eliminate player limits, then a a hard cap sort of evens it out from the richest teams and the poorest teams because they all can can only spend a certain amount of money. And then like you wouldn't be able to keep the Warriors together because they would have a hard cap, and a small market team could go and offer LeBron James seventy five percent of the cap and say, "What the fuck? Let's give it a try." And it's a lot harder to turn down seventy five million. Uh, when everyone else is offering thirty million, you know, so yeah. whatever, it's it, stupid. It's it's just like it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be trying to say, "Hey, you fuckers at the bottom that suck, we're gonna make things worse for you." Yeah, it should be, "Hey, let's make the middle somewhat appealing." Right, but it's not, no. and there's no way to do it because the NBA is a, is a top heavy league, and it probably always will be. It's so dumb. I hate it. The it's just a made up. It's a made up problem. Right, started by like just guys with hot takes. Including your father and other members of people that we brought up last week on the on the rivals pod, uh, it's it's dumb. It's dumb and it's wrong. And like the idea that if you were a Sixers fan before, uh, during the like Doug Collins era, and then you saw what Hinky was doing, and you're like, ah, I'm out. I'm pissed. I don't want to do it anymore. And you're not like coming back now, like. If if anything, you checked out for a couple of years, which teams do when which which fans do when teams are bad. Anyway. Which is fine. Which is totally fine. But, but wouldn't you yeah. rather come back to a good team than come back to the same team you left? That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, a uh, couple of things before we get to Dan. First of all, we are marching toward two thousand five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We need to get to two thousand. So we want your reviews. They help us. The review of the week comes from Matt K. His subject line is FOMO. He says, I think I started listening very shortly after the liberal agenda joke originated, and I'm bummed that I'm too lazy to go back and figure it out. It will haunt me forever. So there you go. I don't know. I don't know that it was. a. I want to ask Dan this, but like, why agenda? What is like the agenda? Like it's an agenda. Like there's not a conservative agenda, but there's a liberal agenda. Isn't Well, there is a conservative agenda, I guess. Yeah, for sure. But it's not it's not a it's not a term that people throw around. No, right, 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 right. Do they even throw around liberal agenda? I don't even know. I just oh yeah, oh okay. yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know. 
the okay. media, all of it. It's can I can I throw a take out there for you? Yeah. People, when 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 there's a blanket statement of fans, the yeah. media, yeah. all these things, yep. and then there's like a do you like them or not like them? It you're always going to react to the people you don't like. So there are obviously people that like some members of the media, and then the other ones that are you know destroying society in your view you'll say no i don't like them because the media is lying and they're stupid so both sides whether it's fans or me or anything it's not this isn't just a political thing this is everything they're always going to be like no this fuck these fuckers that are idiots they're poisoning the well so when you do like a polling of hey do you like this or not like this and the person the and the whether it's Congress or anything, it's going to be like, yeah, it pulls at 18 percent because they're they're thinking about the people they don't like. It's dumb. There it's are dumb. always so many sirens where you are. I'm always worried about you, that they're coming okay. for you. All right. Okay. Before we get to Dan, we have a couple of announcements, right? Oh, yeah. We'll do this now. First of all, the most important one we uh, we teased on Twitter. There's a personnel change at the rights to Ricky Sanchez. Do you want to make yeah. the announcement? Yeah, Philip got a new job. He's going to work for his dad. Uh, we love him. We appreciate him for all he's done here. Yep. Uh, in fact, my dad. Uh, we have we have another thing in the works at the Ricky that uh, we're not probably not going to talk about today. I imagine. No, no, no. Not until we know that um, it's happening. But uh, but I told I told my dad about it, and he he assumed that Philip did it, and I was like. Not, uh, it's like, I don't do anything. He knows that, he, that Philip does more than me. Oh, he, but he, he, he thinks that Philip does more than you. He assumed that Philip put together the thing that we're not talking about yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. Philip's leaving, but we'd also like to congratulate Kristen, who now is in charge of audience acquisition. She's in charge of the Twitter, still in charge of the Facebook. Um, so you're always dealing with Kristen now. We wish Philip the best. We think he'll probably be at the lottery party again. Uh, he'll, Love the guy. Yeah, he'll keep his... his Twitter presence, all that kind of stuff. But thank you, Philip, for like, I don't know, two and a half years of working for us Jesus. in an Jesus. intern and part-time capacity. So thank you, Phil. The other thing- we'll, we'll see if we hire a, an intern under Kristen, but yes. I'm, not, I'm not in a rush to do it. I'm pulling for a male intern. <laughs> I want okay. to keep it even. I, just, I, I need, okay. I like having uh, a man underneath me. Uh, to, <laughs> okay. All right. The other thing. As you may have noticed, at the top of the podcast, we know we mentioned uh, the, the podcast brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky and DraftKings. We are going to have more sponsors than just L.L. Pavorsky. Um, we, uh, we, we've had some opportunities, I guess, in the last few weeks, and we decided that <laughs> we wanted to keep things on our own, and this is how we're going to keep them on our own. So it is still us and, uh, and all that, but there are going to be some sponsors. We have a couple uh, that we're very excited about that'll be coming in the coming weeks. We're also very excited that LL stays and his um, his sponsorship fee will still go to charities. I'm actually changing my charity this week um, for the next uh, for the next several months. But uh, but that's about it. We thank you for making it possible that people even want to advertise on the Ricky. Um, and if you want to advertise on the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast, please send us an email at Sanchez at gmail dot com. You can reach thousands of Sixers fans. Um, so there, we still answer. So we, we still answer to no one. We could have, yes. we could have answered to people, but we yep. answered to no one. Uh, and 
fuck everybody else. Yep, we answer to no one except for you, except for the the fantastic listener of this, listeners of this podcast. We answer to you unless we don't like what you have to say, and then we don't answer to you anymore. That's so. right. And and as much as we love and support uh, the athletic and Derek Bodner, we're not going to charge you any money. Yes, come on, <laughs> come on. We could have done come that on. too. We could have done that. Can you imagine? Um, um, and it would have been worth. Every I would penny. really, I would really have to put a lot more work into it. Yeah, I, you I, would. I didn't. Want to do that. Yeah, you would. No, you haven't. Um, all right. <laughs> do, 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 you, do you do you want to call Dan? I'm excited to have Dan. Let's, on. Call, let's call him before. Actually, we have a minute. I'll tell you. I'll tell you before we call Dan. This is the first time that my wife has been excited about a guest on the podcast because she is a devout Pod Save America listener and bought not only bought tickets to their live show here in Philadelphia, but pre-sale tickets and was very excited to do so. So, um, has that, has that happened yet or it's going to happen? No, it's going to, I think it's uh first week in November, but I think it's sold out anyway. So they're, they're a big deal, way bigger deal than us and also their own bosses. So, all right, I'm going to call Dan. So before we get to Dan, we're going to tell you about our newest sponsor. Our newest sponsor, Mike is DraftKings. DraftKings. Kings. Mike, I don't know if you knew it, but football is back. Football season is here, and you got to play DraftKings because it's way more entertaining than watching actual football. Playing DraftKings is the way to do it. And you can win tons and tons and tons of money. Mike, did you hear about the thing they have going on on Sunday that we're able to offer our listeners? Did you hear about Tell this? me. DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 contest this Sunday. It is totally free to enter as long as you use the code RTRS. And if you draft the perfect lineup, you can win $1 billion. And I have, I have a tip. Okay. I have, a, I have a tip. Yep. Always take the kicker playing against the Eagles. That's, <laughs> That's the, the rule. That is the RTRS rule for DraftKings. Always the kicker against the Eagles. Matt Bryant's going to kick a 67-yard field goal whenever they play him. That's how it goes. There you go. And actually, th I thank DraftKings. I'm playing in like I entered the same lineup in like four different contests this weekend. I was like, yeah, I might you're, as well a, play. You're them. a same lineup guy. What's that? Well, because I'm not that good at it, and it's more fun to play in different contests or whatever. So, but I got an email from them. I thought it was really considerate. They were like, hey, the Miami game is postponed. If you have any players in your lineup, you might want to switch them out. And I thought that was nice because I, you know, when That's I good. Use, and well, when I That's used nice to them, also they get well. They, it says here that DraftKings is friendly for beginners. It is. And you're a beginner. I'm a beginner. And you can play some casual contests. Well, and here's with, of, of players against similar skill level. Yeah, I think what people don't understand is it's not just the huge, uh, big money contest. You can have a contest with just your friends, like a private contest. You can do fifty-fifty leagues where half of the league makes money on it. You know, um, and yeah, you can play against people who are you can you can do a DraftKings league with just your friends. And here's the best part: what I hate about regular fantasy football is you draft a team and then you're stuck with them all year. But with DraftKings, you are not stuck with them. So, right now, I draft well. I draft well, so that's not my problem. But uh, I do see the the value in it for people that don't draft. There well, is a lot like of value. Yourself. So what you have to do is go to DraftKings.com right now. Use the promo code RTRS to play in the DraftKings free contest with $100,000 in total prizes. That is Sunday. Also, if you draft the perfect lineup, you can win $1 billion with a B. That's $1 billion. Use promo code RTRS for your shot to win $1 billion on Sunday. Contest is totally free to enter, so you should probably do it. DraftKings, the game inside the game. 
eligibility eligibility you want to hit that for me eligibility 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 restrictions apply see draftkings.com for details also if you do win the one billion you are obligated to buy the sixers and make spike and i minority owners would a billion even buy the sixers the rockets just sold for 2.2 billion oh right they did yeah all right uh dan hey and mike What's up, Dan? There we go. All right, we're all here together. Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time. Since you're such a big deal, you're a huge oh, deal. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. So I had a very busy Friday afternoon. So, so this is uh, this has got me a lot of street cred with my uh, my friends back home in Delaware. So this is good for me too. Well, this this gets me a lot of street cred with my wife as she uh, she listens to your podcast and not mine. So it it works out for <laughs> both of us. Yeah. Well, my wife will listen to neither of these, so that's fine. <laughs> so, well, um, so let, let's get to the the meat of this issue, right? The the most I think controversial part of this, and the the most serious part of this, is how, as you, as somebody who who grew up around here and calls themselves a Sixers fan, how do you rationalize cheering for the Warriors and still um, and still falling asleep at night? <laughs> I don't sleep well because of it, but. <laughs> well, so uh, let me, I will try to explain this, okay. which is there are several elements here. One is I love basketball. I am a lunatic basketball fan. I watch D league games. I have watched AAU games on ESPNU stream. I've been to DC area high school basketball games. And right. so that's one. And I live here now and the Warriors happen to be good at basketball and they're good to watch. So that's one. Uh, two, I will stipulate that I will always root for the Sixers over the Warriors. Always. And when they're in the 2019 finals together, I will most certainly root for the Sixers. Yep. And then the other part of it is I've had a very uh, – my Sixers fandom has come – there have been some dark eras in the Sixers fandom where I've been forced to go for, go root for other teams in the interim as long as they weren't playing the Sixers for the pure purpose of having someone to root for past, like, game 35 of the season. And so the Warriors have fit that role here. Huh. That's fair. That's, I think that's fair. Yeah. I, I, wow, I don't mind a having, a, having a second team. Especially if you live yeah. there, I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it, I guess it would be hard to not get swept up in in watching them. I think you know, and I really like them. I would say the first, uh, the first couple of years of them being awesome, but now they're I also turned on them pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, I I still like Steph, but Durant and and Draymond Green, I just I I turn pretty hard on both of them. So I see. So, I'm, so, so, I'm torn on this ahead, because I. Uh, I hated Steph Curry for a long time because I went to Georgetown and uh-huh. Davidson beat Georgetown in the second round of the tournament in 2008. And Georgetown wasn't that a 14-3 ne- game? Ne- was that? Wasn't that a 14-3 game? Wasn't Davidson? I don't know. They were, yeah. Davidson was a 10. Georgetown was a two. I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Either way, it was embarrassing, and it began a long run of Georgetown losing to higher seeds, much higher seeds, or much lower yeah. seeds, and. Uh, so it took me a while to come around on Curry. I have always liked Durant because I was living in D.C. when Durant was coming up, and I saw him play in high school a couple times, and uh, so I always rooted for him. So I was I was glad when he came, even if it 
makes the Warriors a little bit like the Patriots of the NBA. This is a uh, this is a pro LGP, LJ Peak podcast. I just want you to know that, so you're in good oh. hands here. Oh, good, good. I, well, I didn't feel great about him leaving Georgetown, but I understand his decision. That's fair. Um, so I, I live in – I just want one quick thing. I live in L.A., and my girlfriend's a Lakers fan and doesn't understand why I will never be a Lakers fan. And I need – Dan, I need you to explain to her here why it's okay that I will never root for the Lakers. Well, the Lakers are terrible. They are <laughs> they're, they're, they're evil. Like, Kobe was terrible. Uh, the Lonzo Ball is terrible. I mean, there's not there's nothing likable about the Lakers. The, the Warriors are likable because they were terrible for decades and then became good for in a period of time. So you can root for them, even if it was only up until they got to Rib. You can root for them as a feel good story. There's nothing feel good about the Lakers. They have just dominated forever, and then every time they get terrible, they get lucky and they get Shaquille O'Neal or whoever else. And so I have no love for the Lakers. They rank only behind the Celtics in my hatred. So that's all I needed. Is it is it fair to say, I guess, that you were a? Uh, I don't even know this. Were you a, a pro hinky guy? Like, how did you feel about what what's gone on the last five years here? Well, I was listening to the Enemies of the Process podcast you yeah. guys did the other day, yeah. and I was thinking about where I fit in there, and so. I have been a largely a supporter of Hinky in the process, except I lost faith uh, with the Julia Okafor draft pick. Yeah, and uh, got very upset about that. Now, what I wanted them to do was to pick Moutier, so it turns out that I was also wrong. Um, (laughs) But I got very upset, and I uh, tweeted that (laughs) from my White House account, which is a huge error. That uh, that the Sam Hinky Sixers are a metaphor for what America would be like if Mitt Romney had won. <laughs> oh goodness people, gracious! Yeah, I know people were very upset about that. But the interesting thing is, they thought I was being too mean to Mitt Romney. <laughs> that's what that's where the process stood in the eyes of the larger political basketball Twitter at the time. Uh, but I have looked back on that moment with some guilt because I was a huge supporter of the general idea. I was a huge supporter of. The Embiid pick, a uh, huge supporter of the General and Terrell pick, uh, and I got the general idea. And the Markel Fultz trade makes me so happy. Um, but I did, I doubted the process for periodically over time. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, if, if there are two podcasts that we've done in the last four years that were the most miserable, and it, it'll puts it into context of where we were with that pick, the two most miserable in a class of their own were when Sam Hankey resigned and also when they picked Jaleel Okafor. Like, those were yeah. the two that I think we, we have we have too much public responsibility to ever bail. I, I don't even think I possibly could, even if I felt like I I wanted to. Um, but yeah. the, the Okafor night was a rough night for all of us, too. I, I threw up the morning after they took Jaleel Okafor. That's not <laughs> I mean, he's from Duke. We didn't need him. Yeah. I mean, I had my heart set on Russell, which also probably wouldn't have been great for team chemistry, but sure. just being stuck with Okafor seemed like it is if you keep going through the process and then not winning the lottery and ending up with your third choice, that seems uh, depressing. It was. Still is. Still yeah. manages to be. Uh, what what was uh, what was being a Sixers fan in Obama's White House like? <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of rough. Uh 
Obama talks a lot of basketball trash, both on the court and about your teams. And most of the years we were together, the uh, the Bulls were pretty good, and the Sixers were most definitely not. So I got a fair amount of ribbing for that. But Obama, he understood the process. Like he, it's analytical and it worked with him. So we cut. He kind of understood what Hinky was doing and thought it was a better plan than just being uh, mediocre for decades on end. Um, so he's most def- Obama's most definitely not the not an enemy of the process. But there were no other Sixers fans who were around, and none of them would. If they were around, they would not admit to being Sixers fans. So I was <laughs> I was lo- I was lonely in that regard. Can we tell him about uh, about Weber? What Weber did? <laughs> Like, yeah, 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 I was going to ask. That's on the question list. Okay, so uh, Mike, we have a friend. Uh, I probably we we call him the uh, Spike Lee of our podcast. He is a, an evangelist of our podcast. His name is Mike Weber, and he's a screenwriter. And he got to meet uh, Obama, and I think he asked him about buying the Sixers. What did he ask him specifically, Mike? I yeah, he asked. Remember. He asked. He, it was like right after Obama was like talking about maybe owning a team someday, or there were reports about that. And he was like, you should buy the Sixers. And like, sort of like took it to him and was like, no, seriously, you should buy the Sixers. And, 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 uh, and our, Obama didn't shrug it off. Yeah, and my only, like, my only reaction to that is like, why didn't you ask him if he trusted the process? Like, you had an opportunity. You were right there. Um, but he thought it would have been disrespectful. So, whatever. Uh, he would, Obama's NBA fandom is so serious that he's fully aware of the process, fully understands the arguments on either side. Had views on. He also did not agree with drafting Julia Wilkes. Um, mm-hmm. This is a good. Uh, We're getting scoops here. Yeah, this <laughs> is a good uh, Obama. This is like how intense a basketball fan Obama is. In 2007, early early days of the campaign, it, it was right after the 07 draft, and the Bulls drafted Joakim Noah, and yep. Obama was doing an interview. With some reporter in New Hampshire, and, he, and, the, the, and the guy was a big basketball fan. He asked Obama what he thought about it. Must have been the day after the draft. What he thought about the Bulls' pick, and Obama gave the like the basketball fan's answer, which was like, "I don't know, it was the right pick. I don't know if we need another uh, forward who can't shoot." Because right after they drafted, uh, what's his name, Tyrese Thomas or whatever from LSU, who had been picked a couple like either the year before, or two years before that. Like, do we really yeah. need another athletic forward who can't shoot? And the newspaper ran an article about Obama critiquing Joakim Noah, which upset our Florida campaign team because Joakim Noah had been a gigantic Obama supporter and helped <laughs> organize uh, or support students for Obama on the University of Florida. It's important we had to tell them that you can't actually be a normal basketball fan anymore. Um, but also one other Obama story while I'm thinking about it, which is, the when you say the Obama talk about owning a team, this is something he most seriously wants to do, and was legitimately upset that when the Donald Sterling uh, uh, yeah. fiasco happened, he's like, if I was not in office right now, I would be the first person they would call to be part of the ownership group post Donald Sterling, and I'm going to miss out on that opportunity. You know, we all uh, we all are Obama fans. We like him like for a lot of reasons. And like the fact that he really likes basketball is one that's great. Did he have any horrible sports takes that, that you wouldn't let him off the hook on? Or was there anything, did he have any bad sports takes? Well, it turns out that Joakim Noah was actually a very good pick for the Bulls. So he was wrong (laughs) about that. Um, Yeah. He, he was very, uh, 
when we it was 2009 or 10, I think Georgetown and Duke played uh, at a neutral site game at the Verizon Center in D.C. And we all went to the game. Obama took a bunch of staff that either went to Duke or Georgetown. And this is when Reggie Love, who played basketball at Duke, was the president's body guy. And there was a lot of shit talking back and forth between the Georgetown and Duke fans. And Obama was going to root for Georgetown in part because he was a new resident of D.C., but also because he wanted to talk shit to Reggie. And uh, Georgetown ran the floor, ran Duke off the floor, and which caused Obama to put Duke in his – put Georgetown to advance far in his bracket that year, which was the first one he did as president. And then uh, Georgetown went down very quickly, and we were – they lost to Ohio that year, I think. Not Ohio State the other Ohio and yep. uh, and we were on a flight to Brazil at the time when the game was happening and it was, we we're going on like a week long trip to South America. And so we watched the game on uh, air force one and Georgetown got killed. And he then talked, made fun of me for uh, the entire trip, but it was like <laughs> half a joke and half serious because he was legitimately mad that Georgetown had completely screwed up one side of his bracket and dropped his ESPN ranking down really far. And then for the next basically seven years, every year uh, that Georgetown was in the bracket, he would pick them to lose very early. And that ended up being a pretty good, uh, a pretty good take. What's what's it like watching a basketball game or any sports game on air force one? Cause I feel like you'd get sucked into the game and sort of forget your surroundings and just start like screaming. Or saying some dumb yeah, shit? You, totally. Sometimes, like, so there's a conference, there's, the Air Force One set up, there's a conference room with a big TV, and that's where the president would usually work out of or hang out in, and the TV would be on in the background. And then there's, like, a cabin next to it that's for, like, some of the senior staff who are traveling. And sometimes you were sitting in that cabin, you could hear Obama and the people that he was sitting with yelling at the TV for whatever sporting event was on. Um, but it's kind of a shitty way to watch TV because it's like watching sports in an airplane where like at any moment the satellite connection can go out and it's just like buffering while you're trying to figure out what's happening in the game. So there are upsides yeah. and downsides. So the upside is you're on a first one. So that's pretty cool. The downside is you can miss any critical moment because TV on airplanes is terrible. Even if it's air force one. Huh. What about your boy, uh, your boy, Joe Biden, Delaware guy. Is he a Sixers fan? Yeah, he is. Sixers fan. I don't, I, I don't hear enough I about it. A, yeah, I know. I, I know. I guess if he were to rank his silly sports teams, he would probably put the Eagles at the absolute top. Um, yeah. But he, he is a Sixers fan. Less of a basketball fan than Obama, I think, but a pretty big college basketball fan and split between Syracuse, where he went to grad school, and Georgetown, where his kids went to school, um, which is not, this is sort of like being a Cowboys and an Eagles fan. Sort of an impossible thing to do. That's yeah. the other thing on the Warriors fandom is I think the Warriors and the Sixers are not – that is not an irreconcilable two-set of teams. It's not like I moved to Boston and adopted the Celtics, right? Right. In fact, they used to be – you know, used to be one. You can you can yeah. e- at least rationalize yourself that way. I'm giving you a break. Yeah, my, yeah, my first ever Sixers game when I was like five or six uh, in the Dr. J era was actually Sixers-Warriors. My dad has told me since then. You know, I'm I'm sort of going back in time as we're talking about this, and you keep mentioning Georgetown, and I think you're you're my age. I think we're the same age. I'm 41. Are you around that age? Yep. So exactly that age. so I went to Syracuse, and I I even though they're not in the same 
Like, I, I don't think it's the same rivalry anymore. When I was there, I learned to hate Georgetown. And I just, I realized that at that time, we were probably, you know, like I hated you, I guess, because, yeah, because I you mean, were there. Yeah. Yeah. Those were, those were annoying Syracuse teams. Yeah. Well, that was, that were, was Lawrence Moten, right? Uh, well, no. So I got there. I wasn't there my my freshman year. I went to USC, but I was there for okay. the John Wallace, uh, Otis Hill, Lazara Sims uh, Final Four team. Todd Bergen, oh. Jason Coppola. So we went to the Final oh, Four yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah, that was the year after Georgetown. So I was there. I was class of '98. So I arrived in the fall of '95. Okay. On the same day as on the same day as Allen Iverson. And wow. So those the two Allen Iverson years were phenomenal, and then. It went off a cliff in uh, in '97 after Iverson left. And you, the but, end of the 96 but you were so you were already a Sixers fan once Iverson went to Georgetown, and then the Sixers. Yeah. Th- that was like the greatest thing that ever happened. I would put my number one sports moment of all sports moments would be Game One of the '01 Finals when Iverson and the, and the Sixers beat the, beat the Lakers. It's yeah. a great moment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that says a lot about us as a, a series that we lost four to one is the best yeah, moment I of, I of Honestly, most pathetically, my favorite sports moment, and I, I'm being completely honest about this, is when Lou Williams hit the three against Miami. Oh, when we, yeah, it's, it's very <laughs> sad, but I was there, you know, I put my wife in a headlock. It was awesome. Mine, yeah. mine might have been Tony Roten beating the Cavs in a regular season game uh, off the off the backboard lefty layup. Yes, uh, ago. <laughs> I was at that game. My, you were that. My six, my Sixers fandom is so deep that I went to Sixers basketball camp in the Poconos Amazing. three summers in a row in middle school. So I went to that camp, and all I remember is that they ran out of uh, toilet paper within like the first twenty four hours we were there. And uh, there was there was one kid that had like contraband toilet paper like under his bunk, and people would steal it from him. That's that's what I remember most about Sixers Poconos camp. So. I always think what, there's, uh, there's this. What kind of basketball? What kind of basketball player are you, Dan? What are we talking about here? It like I was a mediocre Delaware high school basketball player who aspired to and then never uh, achieved low level Division three basketball. That was that was that's as that's as good as I was, and I played. I, I was retired from pickup for two years and uh, played for the first time at a wedding on Sunday, and I still can't walk. So it's I used to play all the time, but when it got to the point that every everywhere I walked, you could hear my ankles clicking, I decided to take some time off. But after playing once it, this weekend, I kind of want to get back into it. Take a break from our talk with Dan Pfeiffer to tell you about our longtime sponsor, our forever sponsor, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. LL Pavorsky. Wait, we're not going to do that thing that we're not going to do that thing that Woj does, where he pretends like the like Manu Ginobili is still sitting there as he no, does no, 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 no. I don't. Dan, sit tight while we tell our listeners <laughs> yeah. about LL Pavorsky Jewelers. So I had a, a lunch with LL today, and we talked about. You know, October will be the two-year anniversary of LL as our sponsor. I got to tell you something, Mike. I haven't gone over this with you, but we've got some special things in the works. I'll have to fill you in on about the anniversary. Two years. LL also told me he's going. He just reserved his tickets to uh, Bust the Process 3, so he's going on that. That's the kind of jewelry you got there. 49 engagement rings have been sold to Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners. One engagement ring has been given away so far to a Rights to Ricky Sanchez listener. Uh, shout out to Alan and Chandler. 
many marriages. We've had pictures of children from rights to Ricky Sanchez couples who got their engagement rings with LL. He is quite simply the best jeweler human you'll ever meet. Um, and for an engagement ring, there is no better guy. You have to, no matter what your price range is, from you know five hundred dollars to five hundred thousand dollars, LL is your guy. If you want to buy an engagement ring, um, what you want to do is make an appointment first because that way he can set up everything you need so you can look at it when you come in there, right? Uh, you set up an appointment by calling 215-627-2252, visiting the store at 707 Walnut, emailing Lee at LLPavorsky.com or tweeting him at LLPavorsky. And there's other information coming that the 30 years of L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers uh, anniversary party will happen in December. It will be a combo of the 30-year anniversary and holiday party, uh, which will be amazing. So we'll have uh, information on that soon. L.L. Pavorsky is our uh, just a wonderful fella, and we're glad to have him as a sponsor. And for every podcast, L.L. makes generous donations to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. And my new charity is Justice Rescue. Um, Justice Rescue is a an animal rescue in the uh, the Delaware Valley that rescues animals from really horrible situations and um, nurses them back to life. And they are wonderful people who do uh, who do great work. So thanks to them. Um, L. L. Pavorsky Jewelers. Pod save the Pavorsky. Oh, that's a good one. Now back Come to on. our interview with Dan. Hey Dan. Dan, who, who's sitting here? Dan, you're still here. <laughs> so so watching. Um, does I, I I don't know if this will make sense. Does you you know you follow sports and you're a sports fan, but your your whole Twitter um, existence is politics Twitter. Does does sports yeah. Twitter look as crazy as politics Twitter does from afar? Because politics Twitter looks crazy. Um, does sports Twitter look as crazy? No, I love sports. NBA Twitter is one of my favorite things. Like the night of the Kyrie Irving uh, Isaiah Thomas trade where I was just like deep in sports Twitter was like such a great break from politics Twitter. It was just like, I'm sure because I don't really care that much about the Celtics or the Cavs. Right. I'm like a passive observer of it, but sport like NBA Twitter is like one of my absolute favorite things. I tried to get deep into NBA Twitter when I was in, co- in college basketball when I was at the white house, utilizing my government white house Twitter account for it. Um, <laughs> Which, which is pretty funny because, like, when you leave the White House, they give your Twitter account to someone else, and they just, like, pick up your followers. And so the guy who took my Twitter account was the guy who became the chief digital officer for the White House and not a super basketball fan. And he, like, can't figure out why he's following, like, Woj and, like, all the, <laughs> like, the Georgetown sports bloggers and all of this. Uh, and it also he also took over all my tweets. So, like, so it just changes it. So my old tweets just have his name on them now. Oh man! And so when yeah, it's 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 not a great thing. But so when Kansas and Georgetown played in whatever year, this must have been twelve. What year did the Sixers draft in beat? Was that twelve? No, uh, fourteen. Yeah, fourteen. So this would be thirteen when the Sixers and Georgetown and Kansas played an early season game at Fog, and I tweeted, "If I was an NBA general manager, I would take Embiid first. And then when Embiid had his uh, had his run last year, people went back and found that tweet. Except it didn't have my name on it; just had our digital officer who could not have given two shits about the Sixers, Georgetown, <laughs> or Joel Embiid, trying to figure out like this guy really had his eye on the you know really, really saw that Embiid talent early. 
What would it be like to just in just inherit everyone else's takes? I, I don't uh, even. I, know, I, know. I feel very bad. Whoever inherits my takes. Oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah. That'd be terrible. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't great. It wasn't great for him for sure. So, so uh, oh, go ahead. one of the I got one. One of the um, we get a lot of we get a lot of stick to sports. Do you get do you yeah. get a bunch of uh, stick to politics when you venture into some NBA take <laughs> yeah. them? I do a fair amount actually, and. Some are definitely like a joking version of uh, stick to politics uh, or stick to sports, but some of them are deadly serious. Like this is a terrible take. Why did you think that? Why do you Why do you think you know uh, X? Right, which is totally true. I have no reason that I know X other than I watch sports, and that's not exactly a, like a qualification for it. But yeah, you you get it, and it's not as vicious as I think sports people get when they say stick to. Uh, Stick to, stick to sports because my like, my Twitter feed, like my followers are uh, sort of already self-curated right. uh, for my political leanings, but like some people get very upset when I uh, attack Boston sports. Like very upset because I think I have a lot of the same followers of uh, Tommy V. George John Favreau from Ponte America who are big Boston sports fans, which is my least favorite thing about them. Um, so like those people get, they get very mad if you attack the Celtics or the Patriots. Very mad. You know what's funny? The stick to sports thing is uh, as as annoying as is as it is to hear as a sports person, and I know there are a lot of sports people that um, that don't like hearing it. It sort of breaks in a lot of ways. The you know we're all people, and we have personal views on things, and you want to be able to share them. But but it is it sort of breaks the contract that you have with why they followed you in the first place. You know they didn't. A lot of times yeah. they're not following you for that and i as annoying as it is to hear like ah this is not why i follow you you know it, it really isn't and i think um i think sports writers and sports personalities sometimes and look this is a time where you know i think it's important that everybody voice how they feel but i also i think i understand now more how because a lot of times i just want to unplug completely even people i agree with i don't want to hear them talk about politics and it um i think it breaks the the contract you have with people sometimes I totally, I totally get it. I understand why people feel that way. I think there is a difference between Twitter, which is like you as a human, right? And you're a human of multiple interests. And if all of a sudden people were like, while like on Sports Center, right, or on the, during the game, giving the politics take, but I, to, I totally am sympathetic to why people feel that way. It's like there is no break from politics and NBA and sports should be that break. And it's not, it's like the Super Bowl being this proxy battle, you know, between Trump supporters and not Trump supporters. Right. Yeah. And it's like, the, how annoying is it that we had to turn our, that all of uh, NFL Twitter during Super Bowl turned into uh, a rehashing of the 2016 election, either because you hate Trump or because it's a joke about how everyone got the 2016 election wrong because like 538 or, the New York Times were giving the win percentage was like 98% Falcons at this point. And the Falcons can win just like the election. So I, I understand why people feel that. How, how do you like, uh, how do you like tune out and like sort of get a reprieve? Cause obviously every, everybody's living it on a day to day, but you are, that's, that's your whole business. So how do you like yeah. take a break from it all? I, my phone away and watch sports. And this is like, I give two shits about baseball, so this is a very – the time between the end of NBA Summer League and the start of 
I guess the football season is just this wasteland of nothing to watch. But I, I try to get off my phone when I watch sports. Um, and that's like a good break. Because you can't even do, like if you're doing a two-screen experience, like and you're watching you know, some game and you're trying to like tweet about it or read what people are tweeting about it, you're still getting inundated with politics. So like, really the only way to do it is put your phone away. You, uh, you know, I, I hate that you came on a sports podcast and I wanted to ask you about politics, but I really wanted to ask you about your, the podcast because it's, um, yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing. You know, I was looking at the iTunes charts today and you guys are number one and it's, um, you know, I, the, the growth has been crazy fast and you guys have gotten really huge, but I was, you know, that probably wouldn't have happened if Donald Trump didn't get elected president. And do you, I don't think it would have, um, and that's not an, not an indictment, just sort of like the, the no. setup of the country. Do you, do you ever think about that and resolve it that your, your business is um, growing because of something that you clearly uh, are not, uh, not in favor of? We, not only would the podcast not be doing as well as we would not have done it. Right. Uh, like we were going in the old Keeping the 1600 version on the ringer, like our view was basically that if Hillary won, which is what we obviously assumed and told everyone would obviously happen, uh, our our plan was wait till after the election, like do it through the election, do a few more in December and January, sort of through the end of the Obama era, and we were trying to nail a Obama farewell interview, and then probably wrap it up because it just didn't seem it, like I didn't want to talk about. It just didn't seem interesting to spend an hour a week breaking down what Hillary was doing or not doing and how the Congress was doing. And I certainly didn't think that I didn't want to talk about anyone want to listen to it. The way I resolve it is I would be happy to just, you know, if, if some, you know, if like some genie in a bottle came down and was like, would you switch? Donald Trump's not president and you don't have a successful podcast, I would take that deal a thousand times in a row. Right. So, uh, what, if, sort of, what about Donald Trump's not president, Hillary is you know the podcast, uh, but MB is not healthy. <laughs> so the, the big question is, yes, would I take a? I don't know that I would trade healthy Embiid for a Trump presidency, but I might yeah. trade healthy Embiid, healthy Ben Simmons, healthy Markel Fultz for a Trump presidency. Right. That I would probably. Do. I, need, yeah. I would need to have enough certainty that the Sixers were going to be. In contention, right? If it's just like healthy and B, but everyone else is hurt, that's not that I'm not willing to suffer the Trump presidency. But the other ones are much closer call. Well, I mean, that's a decade, and Trump's only four years, right? I, yeah, so, I, I, yeah. I need I would need to guarantee that it's four years before I even think about it. But it's still <laughs> okay, tough. Yeah, I, but I would agree. Eight we years. We are before. degenerates, so <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not gonna let you off the hook. Uh, you brought up summer league and. Uh, and college basketball. Give me some of your favorite summer league summer league guys. Guys that like you thought the Sixers uh, had a shot on, or at least like uh, had a shot to make the team. And and you know I have obviously a million of them. But uh, but who who are your who are your uh, who are your like I, just fringy I thought, Sixers guys? I have to say that this year this was bad of me, but. Once Markel went down, I stopped watching the Sixers in Summer League. It, it was the worst sort of Summer like, League. We've watched a lot of Summer League the last four years, yeah. and it was the worst Summer yeah. League I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was, that was sort of depressing. I mean, I'll give you another. This is not a Summer League-related thing, but there, one other great thing about the Sixers in the process era was uh, Henry Sims and Hollis Thompson 
two pretty mediocre Georgetown players who can only Easy. find an NBA home in the Sam Hickey era Sixers. It was the only place. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. heard the song? Have you ever heard? Uh, so there was a song, a rap song that Hollis Thompson did about Henry Sims's candidacy for like, like dorm president or something. Have you ever heard this? Yes, yes, I okay. have. It. Yes, okay. I remember when he did that, and then Nate Luba, who was also on the Georgetown basketball team, also yep. ran for something around the same time and had a, had another rap, related rap song. That's amazing. <laughs> That's great. We're, Obviously, Hollis Thompson is my favorite player of all time. Uh, but I'm also, but also big. Like my my Georgetown era was like uh, Austin Freeman, Chris Wright era. Those yep. those guys those guys were my Georgetown guys. That's why. I mean, I was a yep. Syracuse fan also. My brother went to Q's with Spike. Spike bullied him. Um, I did not bully but, him. He was a piece of uh, shit in college. I'm telling you, he bullied him mostly. <laughs> um, but uh, but that's the benefit. I can just I can like everybody. I can be a Demetrius Nichols, Craig Fourth guy. But I can also be uh, I can also be my uh, Dewan Summers guy. It's it's just love all around. Yeah, poor Dewan Summers had such a bright yeah. career. And, do you feel responsible uh, for did, Jeff Green being a lot worse than he should be? Do I feel responsible for that? <laughs> do you no. feel Do you feel personally responsible? I do not feel personally responsible. I am just glad that Jeff Green gets to continue to to cash NBA checks much larger than the value he's currently providing on the court. So I'm happy for him. People and, have. He may be the second to second to last Georgetown player to play in the league ever again, given the current state of our team. Because it was Brutal. Jeff Green. I mean, I guess Hollis and Henry. But I mean, are they in the league still? Or they're they're hanging around. Hollis signed an overseas yeah. contract. Henry was in summer yeah. league. Uh, I thought Patrick Ewing Jr. had a chance. Yeah, but now he's an assistant. No, now he can no longer be an assistant coach on the team because of the Georgetown nepotism rules. I think so they get to quit oh. the team. Uh, but uh, right now, it's been a, it's been a long time since we've had anyone with uh, NBA potential uh, cross the uh, you know cr- enter the program. It's been it's been a depressing couple of years. Do you miss working uh, in the White House? Oh, I want yeah, you do that. But I want to get okay. I want to get some some current Sixers takes. Out okay, of okay. All right. okay, all right. Well, I, I have two more non-Sixers questions, so I'll get them out of the way, okay. and then Mike can go full okay. Sixers take. So okay. uh, full Sixers. Yeah. Uh, do you miss working in the White House? Yes and no. Uh, I enjoy having some version of my life back, uh, which you did. I did not have for a very long period of time. Uh, but and I don't miss the stress and all of that. But it isn't like one of the more you know impactful or meaningful things you do when you sort of miss. I miss the people and I miss the good moments. And even though I tell you, and even though in my head I think I don't miss it. I've been like binge watching a lot of old West Wing recently, which suggests maybe I miss it more than I think I do. Yeah. So, and then the second non Sixers question is about probably the most important divide in the country, and that happens in my house actually, specifically, is the pro and anti John Lovett factions of the country. <laughs> now, yeah. my my wife is is pro Lovett, and I think pro Favreau most, and whereas I am pro Vitor, I think um, and, and pro Pfeiffer and. How do you like? How do you think the country is going to come to grips with the Lovett problem? I think uh, we live in we live in very polarized times, right. and Lovett is a figure of these times. It is right. uh, whenever he uh, finds a way to end up on the Thursday podcast. Yep, it's there are people who are super happy about it, and some people who are super mad about it, and. 
probably means he's doing uh, he's doing he's doing something right. Uh, yeah, he's. But he uh, the your wife is not alone. John Favreau is the favorite of uh, of many of many women over the years. I've known him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, uh, I've, I think I tweeted this at you before, but I once, uh, Love It once interviewed me to be his assistant on, uh, on 1600 Pen. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it was, uh, I'm sorry you missed that eight, week, eight weeks of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really, oh, yeah. it was, it was, I, the only thing I remember from the interview was him being like, you have to get me French fries whenever I ask for it. That's the, <laughs> that sounds, that sounds credible. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Sixer stuff. How do you feel going into this year? And then I'm going to ask for for a number of wins. I feel anxious. Like I'm yeah. so excited. I'm uh, I'm going to get league pass. I'm going to watch so much. I'm already I've circled November 11th, which is when the Sixers come to Oracle. Uh, so I'm very excited about it. But the amount of star-crossed injury challenges, like. Just the difference between a world in which you have Ben Simmons, uh, Markel, Joel Embiid, Dario Sarge, uh, Covington, whoever else on the floor the whole time, being getting better and being great, or a world where Simmons hurts himself again, Embiid can't can't play more than twenty games, Markel Fultz is recovered from the ankle, and it's just like, and I got to watch you local for all the time is going to be that that worries me so much. So I am. Very cautiously optimistic. I'm super excited for the season to start. Do you feel, because I feel like this, like all the way through the process, it was always, if we're patient enough, things will work out. And no matter how get, bad it gets in the present, the like the hope for the future of like, it is, it is we are bound to, to hit on some of these picks and someone's bound yep. to not get hurt. Uh, that was always like sort of refre- like, like a, almost a delaying gratification and, and, and because nothing matters in the present, it's like, Hey, the future is going to be great. It's still going to be great. It's still going to be great. Now we're at the future. We have the guys. I do mirror your feelings of, Oh shit. Well, we might, we, they have to be good. That's, that's where you're feeling also, or just injuries. Yeah. I, that's my feeling exactly, which is this is there's not another turn of the wheel here, right? This is uh, this is the team we're going with, and and it, I actually think it worked out. Like we have more good chances with these picks than I actually thought was possible in the process. Like Embiid and Simmons are potentially game changing franchise players. Embiid is if he's healthy. Like Embiid keeper was that last year, and Simmons has off the charts potential. I think the fact that they were able to get Fultz, who was sort of, I think, the perfect, there were everyone else. I was not excited about any of the other players that the Sixers were going to get um, uh, other than Fultz. So the idea that they could, they could use some of those assets to get Fultz makes me very excited. But it's, it's, there's not this other thing where we're just like, well, if they're terrible this year, we're, we're, we gotta, we're going to come back around and get all these other picks. Like, this is... This is where we are. So that makes me more nervous. Like now, th- these are the eggs in our basket, right? Yeah. And I will say, I'm if they had drafted Lonzo Ball, it would have been a huge problem for me. Yeah. Because yeah. Lonzo, Lonzo Ball, if we had to, I mean, I don't listen. I grew up listening to WIP. I don't uh, have it. I was able to there all the time. But LeVar Ball would have broken WIP. Like we could not, <laughs> it could not have survived the nah. presence of LeVar Ball. 
Let me tell you, I, it would have been good for business. It might not have been good for my my uh, my uh, my sanity, but but we talked a lot in the hallways around here. It was the same talk we had when when uh, when Johnny Football was going to be drafted, and I was like, please take him, please take him for 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 work, please take him. So. Yeah, I think the the probably the greatest moment of WP history would be when Lavar punched your dad, which would eventually would, would, <laughs> yeah. was an inevitable thing that was going to happen. Don't don't rule it out. Don't rule it out. He's not here. It could still happen. It could still happen. And where so, would I fall? Who would I be rooting for there? I really don't yeah, know. Yeah, it would be tough for you. I mean, I have to say, your uh, take on Spike Dad was uh, aggressive. I thought on the podcast last week. Yeah, it was a little much. It was he. Oh, not much. Well, he. I felt like I I felt like I behaved myself. Well, you wished him off the planet, you know. So he's my dad still. Had he been off the planet, it'd be better for everybody else. A little, maybe a little much, but whatever. Um, Is this like the? It was just like the Hitler Hitler's baby thing. Like if you would wipe Spike that off off the planet, you were also planning to wipe Spike off the planet. Yeah, come on. I think that's a great metaphor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See? See? No issue. A little much. Yes. Yeah. So uh, well, let me get wait, I need a, I need a number of win win prediction total. Uh, I'm gonna go forty two. Okay. I'll take forty two. I yeah. think the, I think uh, that's slightly optimistic all the health stuff and the East is garbage. It's just terrible. And who – I'm assuming you think Embiid's going to be the leading scorer. So let's say who do you think will be the second leading scorer on the team? Covington. Yeah, I take oh, that. You got, you got the right the right audience for that. Yeah, yeah. Big Covington <laughs> fans here. Well, um, I, uh, I appreciate – Do you have a different take on who you think it'll be? Oh. Hmm. I think it'll be JJ. Yeah, yeah I, that's a good one. Well, because he's playing for a contract, and I, I really think that he uh, he was that they that was part of the sell here, you know, is mm-hmm. that he's going to get to to score more. Yeah, that's a good put. It's also wouldn't it be hard with as much as Ben Simmons is handling the ball, it would be pretty hard for him not to score thirteen points, right? Oh yeah, I think it'll be that. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone's going to. I think everyone's going to score twenty plus. Yeah. Everyone's going to average a buck 40, <laughs> buck 40 a night. Everyone except Okafor. Yes, right. Well, he's thin now. I don't know if you heard, Dan, but yeah. it is, is, uh, is, now that he's at the end of his first contract, he's decided to get in shape. So good for him. <laughs> uh, uh, Trump just appointed Okafor to HHS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm comfortable with that. I support that. Day. Right. Well, we uh, we thank you for spending so much time with us. Um, you know, the, we we'll, we'll plug your podcast at the beginning, of the end. Not like it needs it, but um, but uh, congrats on all the success, and um, hopefully you won't have to do the podcast in another few years. <laughs> That's right. Hopefully, hopefully this all comes to an end. Are you are you and your wife going to be at the live show? Yeah. So my wife um, bought tickets on like she she screenshotted the purchase when she bought them pre-sale. Because she was so excited um, that she oh, bought nice. tickets, so so she's a she's an enormous fan. So yeah, we will be. All there. right. Well, well, I will. Uh, we'll make sure that she gets backstage to, unless you're uncomfortable with this, to meet John Favreau in person. So. No, 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 no. That's fine. That was, <laughs> she would like that. And 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 Val, as you're listening to this, the first we've done four years of these, and this is the first one you've ever listened to. Um, there, <laughs> there. It it paid off for you as somehow. So yeah. So I'll I, see you I, there. My my wife uh, cares zero about sports. She views it as an opportunity to look at Instagram while I watch TV. Right. And I tried to explain to her what I was doing today. And like at the Philadelphia 76ers podcast, and she's like, who's Ricky Sanchez? And I was like, if you know what, let's just 
Don't worry about it. Yeah, you don't need to know. it's not worth it. Yeah, it's like explaining yeah. a joke you saw on TV. It never, it never comes out the way you want it to. It's not, it's never as That's clever right. when you explain it. Um, well, yeah. thank you very much, and uh, we appreciate it. And um, awesome. this go was fun. All right, thanks, Dan. All right, thanks, Bye, Dan. So the cool thing was Dan actually knew about basketball. Yeah, I knew he was going to. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You know, you, you have a guy who, you know, so many people say they like sports, but you can never tell how much they sure, actually sure. like sports. So, And before we get to the Embiid situation, which we'll talk about in a moment, we want to talk to you about Bust the Process 3, that is Fly the Process, Bucks the Process, Operation Shithole. There are still seats remaining, but that won't happen forever. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to fly to Chicago. Wait, are you, wait, one second. Are you, a, are you a Run the Jewels fan or no? Yes. There should be a Run the Jewels 3, Bust the Process 3, something. Oh. Some some combination there. Maybe, Just throwing it out there. Maybe it's the T-shirt. Maybe it's the T-shirt. Could be. Yeah, we haven't that's, done that's the T-shirt it's, design it's like, yet. It's like the gun and the jewelry, except it's like a cat. <laughs> that would be awesome. A um, cat and I'll, I'll think about it. I'll touch okay. on it. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Bust the Process 3 is Fly the Process. We are going to fly to Chicago in March. Uh, the date is March. Hold on, I'll tell you in a second. March 2nd. We're going to fly to Chicago. We are going to stay in Chicago for Friday night, Saturday night, and we're going to have special happy hours. The place you're going to stay is free breakfast, free happy hour at the hotel. Um, we're going to have a watching party for the Sixers-Hornets game on Friday night in Chicago. Then on Sunday, we're going to take a bus to Milwaukee because we wouldn't stay in that shithole. We have a pregame party set up right across the street from the venue. You're going to get free uh, barbecue, all you can eat at this awesome pregame party. Then we're going to go in there and we're going to boo the shit out of Malcolm Brogdon for two and a half straight hours. Um, then we're going to take the bus back to Chicago, all very uh, pleased with ourselves, and then fly back from Chicago on Monday. Um, you need just $150 to reserve your spot. Do it at rightstorickysanchez.com. There is, um, there's double occupancy rates, triple occupancy, and quad occupancy. I think it goes from like 550 to 650 somewhere in there per person. You're getting round-trip airfare, ticket to the game, bus to the game, the happy hours, the commemorative T-shirt, all that stuff. It's a great deal, and uh, we're going to have hundreds and hundreds of people there. So um, that's it. Right, do, you want to talk, do you want to talk about Phillip's lasting legacy of, uh, of get, starting shit with Bucks fans? Um. Wait. What lasting legacy? I mean, because he's he's out of here, and one of the last things he did was rile up a bunch of Milwaukee Bucks fans. Did he on Twitter? Yeah, you didn't see that. No, I don't think I saw it. People, because there was something from like Bucks Reddit. Oh, that they're gonna come right, and show right, up right, and right, right. He started. He started uh, getting a little mouthy. Well, that's I good. I I like that he started up. Like Philip will forever be a member of Rights to Ricky Sanchez. He's just not oh, yeah. here in person. So, um, so go on the bus trip. All right, now let's talk about Joel Embiid. Oh yeah, so yeah. here here's what I here's what I would say. I'll throw this is this is a very you topic. Yeah. So well, here, here's take, here's take here, the reins, baby. Here's I I mean I think it's hilarious. So my father reports that the reason that Embiid hasn't started five on five is because they want his agent wants a deal done before he's playing five on five. And of course, the team sources say this is wildly untrue, and Brett Brown says this is untrue. Comes out immediately. Um, and I think it's funny when when you don't like who the t who the report is from, then any denial is obvious. Like, oh, of course it's not true. So of course everyone's going to say this is not true. No one's going to admit this is true. Here's all I will say because I don't know whether it's true or not true, um, and that I've expressed to you personally. He had meniscus surgery six months ago. Six months. This is a team 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 mandated meniscus surgery. It was like a trip yeah. to the zoo. Everybody had it. Right. Six months ago. 
like this is the sort of surgery, and I know severity changes, but this is the sort of surgery that an NFL player is back on the field in a month, right? So Joel Embiid, six months later, is still not playing five-on-five basketball. He has disappeared on social media for the better part of six weeks, a guy who was never quiet on social media for even a day, right? Um, and uh, of all the, uh, you know, I won't even say that. But, but so here's the thing. Either you have to believe that there's three options to me. One, they are being so careful with him, so overly careful that he's not playing five-on-five basketball, in which case I'm a little worried because he's a basketball player. Um, number two is that he's still hurt and it's not healed and he's not ready to play yet, which is troublesome to me after six months, right? And then three is that there's a contract thing. And I think any one of them is possible. But to me, something is weird, right? Why isn't he playing basketball? I understand he's wildly talented and you want to save him and all that stuff. But if he's not going to be able to play basketball, we, we, we have a bigger issue. So, um, so that, that's sort of it. I, I don't, you know, Derek had already reported that they were talking about extension now. So the fact that the, the agent would say, hey, 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 I don't want him doing anything until we're done here, it does not seem crazy to me. Now, the way my father phrased it is more extreme than that, of course, but I, you know, so that, that, that's how I feel about all of it. I'm just a little worried that he's not doing anything. Um, there's a lot of things that go into this, including right. the Sixers medical staff and meniscus gate. Uh, that we've been going through for the last year and a half or so with Okafor and Covington as well. Um, and, uh, you know, we've heard we've heard a couple whispers uh, on both sides about, like, is he as healthy as they want him to be? Or is this posturing for it to be for the owners to try to get a better deal on the contract? Um, it's I just sign him. Just sign him to a contract. Let's hear if he's healthy. There should be. We are in September. The season uh, training camps less like three weeks away. Season starts in month and a half or so. Like, just be honest with what's happening. Yeah. There is unless you can't be right. Like unless if it is the um, what's it called? If it's the contract thing, then they probably can't be honest about it, right? I mean, they can't say he's not going to play, and because that makes him look bad. Um, I, I mean, just get it done. Look, you know, I just, just when, get it done. I don't train, care. Yeah. yeah, I don't care. Pay him, pay him all that it takes. And if it's if you're Embiid and you're saying like, and or his agents and they're like, we're we're settling for nothing less than a max. It's or like they want some injury provisions. Like, let's all just come. Let's everybody come to the table in good faith and be like, look, we want this to work out. Let's not make this an ugly thing. Like, everybody's gonna get paid. Hopefully, Embiid's healthy. Like, but let's. But at the same time, if it's like you're you're gonna like start a weird rift with your franchise player over like what a couple million, and if he's if he misses everything, and he's broken for the rest of time, then you're fucked anyway. And if he's healthy, then we're feeling great, and nothing well, else matters. Like those couple, it's like I sort of just like the biggest thing is Embiid's happiness and like every and everything being cool, just like. Let everything be I, cool. I do want them to get the best deal possible, but I hope they're not. I, I hope they're not ten million dollars a year away. You know, like I, I want them to get I, the best it, deal. That's how it works. I like. If I would, it's like twenty million, I think it's it's great. Twenty sure. million, if it's if it's twenty million per, great. Uh, but 
if he's like, I'm not settling for less than a max contract or, or his people, then it's like, I get them doing that. He's a max contract player, but also he's played 30, you know, 31, 31 games in the last three seasons. And I, I can see why the Sixers are being cautious. That being said, everybody, pull your pants up. Get the fucking deal done. Let's go. We've yeah. had enough. Pull I don't want this up. to become a thing. Pull we already have Julio Okafor on the team still. Like, we, I don't I don't have time for this. Get a deal done. <laughs> okay? That's perfect. That's the perfect take. Uh, do you want a jigsaw before we go, or you just want to go? Wait, you want to talk about Justin Anderson's body, or what? Uh, well, the, so the two bodies we have are Justin Anderson's body. <laughs> By the way, I expected Justin Anderson to have a shredded body. I was sort of disappointed that he wasn't that shredded before. Um, I, Justin Anderson's physical condition was not my issue ever with Justin Anderson. It was the basketball part of it. The the funnier part, I thought, was the Markel Fultz has put on 15 pounds, and everyone's like, 15 pounds of muscle. Like, like <laughs> let me tell you something. Well, you would think, you would think that if he, because he, he posted on Snapchat, right? That's how it came out? You can't put on 15 fucking pounds of muscle in one offseason. You can't. It's, sure you can. Sure yeah. you can. Well, unless you're if if you're on steroids or HGH, no, maybe. no, no. I mean, like you don't know what he was at. When did they weigh him, and that would became like well, right. his official weighing. Right. So what I'm saying is, fifteen. You can't put on fifteen pounds of muscle in four months. There's no way. Not naturally. That's uh, that's probably true. Yeah. But so, after like a big meal, I I vacillate like ten pounds, right. just like maybe here and there. maybe he had two chicken sandwiches and a nuggets and a fries and a lemonade right before he weighed himself. Yeah, he's put on muscle, and then he had a big lunch. Right. <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see that, what he ordered at lunch. Yeah. And then, and then we'll know. I feel good about it. I feel good about Justin Anderson's body. If Justin Anderson and Nick Stauskas don't mo- both make the team because they're still waiting to find a good deal for Jaleel Okafor, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. If 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 we if because Stauskas is improving, hear me out. Mm-hmm. The shot is getting better. The defense is getting better. Yeah. And the little playmaking from from the two guard position. And Justin Anderson has certainly has potential if the shot takes less than four four seconds to go off and he can defend without just I mean, even just pissing people off. A guy to piss people off, you love that guy. That's your favorite guy. So and if that and if that happens because they're still like wait, like pretending that like Jalil Okafor isn't like a fringe NBA player. Like just if just cut him. Just cut him. I will be very upset if Staskis and Anderson don't make this team. In favor of Okafor. Well, I would uh, as as much as I'm not an Anderson guy, I'll take him over Okafor. So there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, crown jewel of that Nerlens trade. Right. Do you? What do you think? Do you want a jigsaw or no? Do you just want to end? Jigsaw. Okay. Play. I will play this game. Game play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I- I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? All right, Mike. Here is your jigsaw. You have two choices. Oh, you didn't ask Dan. No, no. Yeah, we should have asked Dan. Yeah. Well, I was like, I was like what is this? Is this a principled take? You asked Brett Brown? You know what Molly I'm gonna, Sullivan? You nah, Dan Pfeiffer? You know what I'll do? I'll do it, uh, and I'll just... It really just upset my wife. I'll do it backstage. I'll do it to all of the, the Pot Safe America guys. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here are your two choices. One, your ears are 1.5 inches higher on your head than they are right now. Or, for the rest of your life, you're only allowed to trim your fingernails once every four months. Okay. Let me just do a little bit of 1.5 inches, what that would feel like. It's pretty high. It's pretty high. Yeah. 
It's like like rabbit ears. And it ruins hats. Like, how are you going to wear hats? You'd have to wear hats like an old guy, like an old guy wearing a trucker hat, like on the top of your head, sort of. I, I think I'd be okay now wearing hats. If I... Yeah. Or you wear, or you go beanie. Right. You go straight beanie and just cover. Right. That might be the good move. Yeah. Is go ears higher, clean nails. Because if you if you can't trim your nails, like I play basketball, that's dangerous. And it's also like affects your shot at some point. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden the nails nails are getting in the way. Yeah. I probably go ears higher. Okay. And uh and and become beanie guy. Yeah, I think that's the only option really. The fingernails thing is pretty gross. Or like even like bucket hats. I just see yeah. what that's about. Maybe I, maybe I bring them back. Like a sombrero. Uh, next week on the pod, I have an idea. I'll tell you about it. I think we're gonna actually start talking about this year's Sixers season. I have an idea. So I'll. We were I'll, talking about it. Well, no, but I mean like like hardcore talking about. It. Like I think we can we can start ramping up next week. We did talk about Dario at Eurobasket. Uh, he looked great. He looked um, he looked really good. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so excited for, for basketball to start. It really feels like it's been a very long time since yeah. we played. Yep. Well, it has been. I think I think the the fake summer league sort of had to do with that too. I, we didn't get a real summer league. Yeah, I just I mean I showed up. I was in summer league. Fultz died in front of my eyes right. when I left. That's that's what I got. All right, let's wrap up. Let's go. Um, this has been the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rice to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. And DraftKings. And, and DraftKings. You can play for free now at a chance at a billion dollars with the perfect lineup. Just use promo code RTRS. Sign up at DraftKings with promo code RTRS. Uh, are you down with TTP? No. No. Like I said, hold your head, son. Things on my mind. It's complex, but I'm about to kick the full effects. So back up, back.